Alrighty, what is going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that is a safe and open listening platform for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of pro wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 49 of this freezing cold podcast. And today, we got a good show for you all because we're going to be talking about week three of the 2021 NFL season. And we're going to be talking about all the games, all my personal highlights, all the winners and losers from that week, and my players of the week. And once we're done talking about week three, we're going to be going straight into week four of this 2021 NFL season and giving my picks uh, for this coming week, including the great Thursday night matchup. And I mean great between the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Isn't it such a great Thursday night matchup, pal? (laughs) So once again, time to open up that fridge and grab that very cold lasagna for more casual yet honest opinions on the NFL. I got to say, when it comes to week three, um, outside of a couple of games, it was just a pretty uneventful week. Um, A lot of blowout games, a lot of, like, I don't know, a lot of uninteresting games like that was like sure it went down to the wire but it was just um, more kind of a, a kind of a snooze fest um when when i was just watching some of these highlights and uh the ones that were on tv uh, it was it, it was so so but still it's still fairly early in in this season uh you know the biggest season ever 18 weeks 17 games you know I guess there will be more excitement um, in the weeks to come as we chuck forward in this NFL season. So with that being said, before we continue to talk about um, um, the, for the rest of this episode with week three and week four, I want to shout out my social media pages, uh, the social media, where else you can find the podcast and whatnot. Make sure to subscribe to the Very Cold Design YouTube channel and turn on that notification bell so you'll be notified of each and every very cold lasagna episode that comes out and the exclusive videos that come out on the VCL YouTube channel and make sure to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts and follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. So let's talk about week three of the NFL season. So week three is in the books. It was honestly a week, um, like I said, kind of uneventful. Um, but there were a couple of games that were like, oh, wow, this actually happened. And then there were other games that were like, yeah, this is a, this is a blowout. And um, a game that isn't that all that exciting. But there was also a week that that I personally defined as a week that can be defined as where you can see those early playoff contenders and pretenders. That Also that week that is kind of like that nut-busting time for some of these teams. Because they don't want to go 0 and 3 or 1 and 2 very early in the season. Because if they go 1 and 3 or 0 and 4 the next week, then their season's pretty much done from there on out. But then, when this season was uh, not, not the season, but this week was all said and done, it served as a reminder for myself that it still remains very early in the season um, for pretty much everything I just just said because of how much can change. In the span of one whole week, um, like I said last week, um, where it was pretty much nut busting time for teams like the New Orleans Saints, the New England Patriots, uh, I think the LA Chargers, the the Chiefs, other teams that I said 
were that need to have like a kind of like a bounce back or they need to like up their game performance those kind of performances so let's take a look at the week that was week three of the 2021 nfl season and we start with thursday night football between the carolina panthers and the houston texans um they the panthers beat the texans 24-9 in a pretty uneventful uneventful game to kick off this week um sam darnold struggled um some in this game throwing it in super tight coverage but still made some decent throws and got two of Carolina's touchdown uh Carolina's touchdowns on some QB runs. Meanwhile for the rookie quarterback for the Texans Davis Mills, uh he struggled pretty badly. Um but then again, it's a very tall task um for a quarterback to you know run the first team offense on, on a short week. I mean, not everyone can do it. Not not every uh quarterback can do it. So I mean, you got to give the Texans a little bit of slack here, considering they just lost Tyrod Taylor. So then we get to the Sunday morning slate, the early morning. We had the Tennessee Titans go, uh, actually go home and host the Indianapolis Colts, a division rival. Uh, they beat them twenty-five to six. They actually could have uh, pretty much ran away with this game um, before the fourth quarter, but um, some interceptions um, that were out of their out of their hand and an untimely fumble, you know, kept the Colts in this game. Um, fortunately for the Titans, the Colts red zone defense, uh, was pretty bad. Um, Carson Wentz couldn't, um, find the open receivers or he couldn't get the receivers to catch the ball. So they had to settle for, free, for field goals. Um, but in the end, the Titans won, uh, 25 to 16 and a somewhat crucial division win when, it, when it all said done, it could be a factor, um, when the Titans in the Colts could be battling for the division title. In the AFC South, then up in New York, the Atlanta Falcons beat the New York Giants 17 to 14 in a pretty uneventful game, and this was on a day where Eli Manning uh, was entered in the Ring of Honor uh, for the Giants. But even then, it was the same old bullshit for the Giants, uh, with super conservative play calling, a struggle to move the ball against an also struggling Atlanta defense, um, and then, of course, like last last week against Washington, they lost again on a field goal. Um, from Young Hui Koo. So in, I, I'd say the biggest upset of this week and probably, probably the, the game of the week, the LA Chargers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 30 to 24. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that was unexpected. Um, and considering the fact that what was also unexpected was Patrick Mahomes throwing two interceptions. One, one of which was the game, the game changing interception late in the game that allowed Justin Herbert to march the team down the field um, to have a game-winning touchdown drive. Even though they didn't necessarily have to, they could have just punched in a game-tying field goal. But no, they decided, like, we're going to win this game. We're going we're gonna to have our big balls <laughs> in our you-know-what. <laughs> and we're going to march down the field, get a touchdown, force the Chiefs to answer the call. And damn, the Chargers seem like a... Like, the cream of the crop, the crop this season. I, I know it's pretty early. It's only week three. But you got to give credit to this Chargers team for bouncing back from a bad game against the Cowboys, making all those mistakes at home. And then they go on the road to Kansas City and get a big win over a division rival and an early key win against the Chiefs in what could be like a crucial win down the line 
when they could be vying for the AFC West title. And it could be a crucial factor when these two teams play again in December. So we will see. And, you know, this is also a indication that the AFC West is probably not going to be the same cakewalk it's been for years for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So then we had the Cleveland Browns beating the Chicago Bears 26-6. to And pretty much the story of this, um, this was the game that was on my TV. And I was like, can, can they switch it to something else, please? I am, I don't want to watch this anymore. And that was because Justin Fields' starting debut was just as disastrous as you can imagine it. And you can thank dumb dick Nagy, the head coach, and that shit Bears offensive line. Because they, because Justin Fields was sacked a whopping nine times by Miles Garrett and that Browns front front four. Yeah. <laughs> like, couldn't they have put in Nick Foles at, like, at that point? Like, what was the point? What, what learning lesson was Matt Nagy trying to make Justin Fields learn by having him stay in that game and getting sacked nine times? Uh, like, oh, he's a fighter, pal. It's like, he could take all these hits. Like, what? Okay. Like, what? Like, is that really how you're going to inspire confidence in your future quarterback, your future franchise potential quarterback? Really? My God. Now, it could have been a much larger game, a much larger blowout for the, the Browns, but uh, Baker Mayfield was just, like, overthrowing a lot of rece- a lot of receivers in this game. Like, it could have been a bigger blowout. And in the red zone, they couldn't, like, really uh, take advantage of most of their opportunities. But anyway, the the Browns destroyed the Bears 26-6. to Then, um, in Detroit, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Detroit Lions 19-17. And just like with the Browns game, um, the Ravens pretty much, like, allowed the Lions to stay in this. Well, unlike the, the, Brown, uh, the Browns and Bears games, um... Yeah, the Ravens allowed the Lions to stay in this. And, it, like, the Ravens honestly could have, like, blew out the Lions. But Marquise Brown was having butterfingers. And he could have caught two potential touchdowns. But, again, he had butterfingers. He probably ate uh, too much butterfinger before this game. Like, never lay a finger on my butterfinger. And the Lions were actually able to contain Mar Jackson's running ability. And they actually got to him a couple of times for sacks. And that Ravens secondary, damn. Like, I guess they those injuries really hurt them. Those injuries in the secondary really, really hurt them. Because they were unable to contain even Jared Goff. And that Lions lackluster yet honestly spirited offense. <laughs> yeah. They, they continued to fight in this game. So, the Lions actually had the lead very late in the game. But Justin Tucker took his big balls and kicked a record-breaking 66-yard Game-winning field goal that that doinked on the crossbar to win the game. How crazy is that? How crazy is that, man? Justin Tucker continues to prove that he is like the greatest kicker of all time. Literally, <laughs> if this was wasn't an indication like the six the sixty-six yard field goal um, wasn't an indication that Justin Tucker is the goat of kicking. I don't know what to tell you. So then. In Foxborough, the New England Patriots got whacked at home by the New Orleans Saints, 28-13. James Winston had a solid bounce-back performance from the Panthers game against a Patriots team that couldn't um, make up for Mac Jones' struggles. Speaking of Mac Jones, um, he struggled for a lot in this game, throwing three interceptions and missing his uh, receivers on his throws. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's expected for a rookie quarterback, but 
it's kind of concerning considering um you know bill belichick gave a lot of confidence um in this kid and you know it's i don't know i'm not sure what bill belichick's thinking maybe he's like trying to prep him up for you know who's who's coming to town on a sunday night but it's kind of it's it, it's a little concerning so the saints beat the patriots 28 to 13 uh the arizona cardinals went to AEW land uh to beat the jaguars 31 to 19 now this was actually honestly um it kind of like a a little bit of a dogfight um for much of this game because the Jaguars, uh, defensive front four, gave Kyler Murray a bunch of fits. He was, they were pressuring him, like, a good chunk. And the secondary even got uh, two interceptions on, on Murray. So this game was not as out of reach uh, for the Jags as um, some thought it was. So the Jags um, took the lead at halftime with a 106-yard missed field goal return uh, touchdown. So literally, like, Matt Prater tried to one up um Justin Tucker before Justin Tucker even decided to kick that 66 yard field goal um I think it was like a 68 yarder and then Matt Prater missed it he couldn't get a crossbar help assist and then the Jaguar special teams ran it all the way from end zone to end zone to get a halftime lead Trevor Lawrence also had a a nice game uh here but he eventually crumbled in the third quarter. So he also like showed in this game that he remained a work in progress. So the Cardinals eventually shifted the momentum, um, getting a pick six on Trevor Lawrence and James Conner. I think it was James Conner who ran it in for a touchdown. And they also forced another fumble on Trevor Lawrence like late in the game to pretty much seal the deal on this Cardinals victory as they moved to 3-0, heading into their matchup against uh, the LA Rams next week. So then... In the last of two um, early morning matchups, the Buffalo Bills hammered the Washington football team at home, 43-21. to um, Bills offense pretty much returned to form with a dissection of this supposed-to-be scary uh, Washington defense as Josh Allen spread the ball around um, to the likes of Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Deshaun Knox. And this was in spite of Stephon Diggs uh, being pretty much like like quieted down by this Washington secondary. So, yeah, this is what um, a team does when your your supposed top receiver is uh, being being doubled and being covered by the defense. You spread the ball around to very well good guy playmakers. So Washington managed to catch up in the second quarter, and that that was pretty much all they could do. They only managed to make it a one score game late in the second quarter because. Um, uh, this Washington like offensive line is still not particularly very good against uh, opposing defenses because Taylor Heineke and the offense struggled against a Bill defense because yeah they were being relentlessly pressured into repeated mistakes all day long. So yeah, that was pretty much all I could say about that. So then in the last of the early morning slate, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers twenty-four to ten. Um, the Bengals overcame an early turnover to completely dismantle their division rivals on the backs of two to- two touchdowns from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I think it's a little time for concern um, for the Steelers because, um, yeah, they, they tried to get back in this game, but 
there was a reason why they stalled on their third downs and in the red zone, which I will get to in a bit, but they were stalling big time on third downs, whether it was in the red zone or on third down drives. Like, there, there's a little cause for concern, and I'll get to that in a bit. So in the afternoon slate of games, the Denver Broncos shut out the New York Jets 26 to nothing at home. Um, Teddy Bridgewater had another solid game, um, and that Denver defense, like, pretty much whacked with Zach Wilson. Um, but as good as the performance Denver had against the Jets, like, you got to look at the competition Denver faced. They faced uh, the New York Giants. They also faced uh, the Jaguars. They also faced the Jets. Um, so they're kind of a, a, a so-so 3-0. So they're about to face some real competition next week, uh, starting with the, the Baltimore Ravens uh, at home. Meanwhile, for the Jets, um, last week I, I blamed Zach Wilson for um, the loss for the Patriots. Um, but this this week, it was a total uh, team effort in this uh, in this no-show. Um, there was no offensive line help. Um, they were repeatedly getting beat by the Denver front seven. Um, the secondary, um, I know there's some injuries there. Um, they they were they were getting beat. Um, they were getting beat by the Denver offense, and the the Jets, like, yeah, they they may have their supposed QB of the future, but you know they, the Jets front office didn't do him any favors by getting himself help um, in the off season, and it's starting to show in gang green so down in las vegas the Va- the raiders beat the miami dolphins 31 to 28 in overtime in a game that and it was initially believed to be a runaway game for the raiders yeah this was supposed to be a game that the raiders were supposed to like convincingly win but no instead it turned out to be a fight between the raiders and the dolphins and why did it turn out to be a fight well because uh, jacoby percent was like uh yeah like I heard that, I heard that just because I heard that Tua Tagovailoa um, is is going on IR for three weeks, and we're just supposed to sit down on our hands uh, and take take the loss to the, the Las Vegas Raiders. But no, Jacoby Brissett actually kept the Dolphins in this game. He he was staying steady. He was being methodical with his throws, and he also led a nice two minute drill. Um, to send the game into overtime, he went balls to the walls um, with like pretty much their last uh, down of the game. Like with like I think it was like four or three seconds left in the game, and they got a touchdown and a two point conversion to tie the game. But ultimately, it was all for naught. Um, but still, it was a good effort. It was a really good effort for a Dolphins team that was missing their starting QB. Um, the game was won at the very tail end by the Raiders on a field goal. So the Miami Dolphins. Fought to the end, but ultimately the Raiders moved to 3-0 um, with a overtime victory. Another one, their second in the last three weeks. So the Minnesota Vikings um, beat the Seattle Seahawks 30-17. Kirk Cousins proved in this game, actually the second straight game, that he can be more than just captain checkdown if he tried. And he did so by torching the Seattle uh, secondary to the tune of three touchdowns. Meanwhile, um... Alexander Madison, the backup running back, also had a good day in relief of the inactive uh, Dalvin Cook, and he was able to find open running lanes all day long. Meanwhile, for the Seahawks, uh, Russell Wilson and the offense seemed to be in rhythm. They actually had a 17-7 lead um, in the second quarter, but the Vikings defense put the pressure on Wilson and pretty much shut down um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett all day uh, day for the rest of the, the game, and 
just about every aspect of the receiving game was pretty much pretty much gone. Um, and they, the Seahawks were shut out in the second half. So, wow. The Vikings, yeah, if they tried, if they try like this every game, it can be something. They can be something. So, in perhaps, um, well, what I initially thought was the biggest game of the week, the LA Rams, like, methodically, um, ran away from the Tampa, from the Tampa Bay Bucks, 34 to 24. Um, Rams QB Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, uh, continued their, their, their chemistry together, um, with, to the tune of, of another touchdown performance. I think they got one or two touchdowns. And other contributors like Tyler Higby and Deshaun Jackson got in on the fun too. And that Rams offense ran over all over the Bucks secondary. And yeah, that secondary is a little bit of a concern for the defending champions. Meanwhile, for Tom Brady and the Bucks, um, they did all they, they could to get back in this game. But that defense of the Rams was just too much to overcome for them. So then... In the Sunday night uh, football closer for the Sunday slate of games, the Green Bay Packers beat my San Francisco 49ers 30-28 on the heels of a Mason Crosby field goal. Um, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams had a field day torching the Niners' non-existent secondary. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo struggled big time in the first half with bad overthrows and an interception. Um, But in the second half, he attempted to overcome um, all of that. He actually did and helped the Niners take the lead despite a stupid fumble that... He shouldn't have committed, um, but he left the he left the Packers too much time. He left them 30, 30 seconds, about thirty seconds, and that was still enough time for Aaron Rodgers to march down the field with no timeouts, and left Mason Crosby to hit the game winner. How sad, how sad. So anyway, in the Monday night football and week three closer of the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles in a methodical and destructive blowout 41 21. Um, now you thought that the Eagles could have had a chance in this game because there was like, it was a tie game in the first five minutes of the game. Ezekiel Elliott scored a touchdown on the Cowboys opening possession. And then Fletcher Cox two positions later, uh, strip stack Dak Prescott. And it was already seven, nothing, uh, not seven, nothing, seven, 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 all. But then after that, it was all Cowboys. Prescott, Elliott, and the rest of the offense hammered the Eagles' defense. And the Cowboys' defense pretty much got all around Jalen Hurts. And they even got a pick six on him in the third quarter. And they repeatedly attacked that offensive line. And got to Jalen Hurts a couple of times. So perhaps I overreacted on the Eagles' potential to at least make a run at the NFCs and on the Cowboys. So... Overall, yeah, that was week three of the 2021 NFL season. Um, yeah, not a lot of eventful things happened aside from Justin Tucker hitting a 66-yarder, Justin Herbert leading the Chargers to an upset over Kansas City, the Rams. Um, not like completely blowing out the Bucks, but beating the defending champions and probably proving that they can be the best team in the NFL. Um, but other than that, not really too much headlines um, if you think about it. So now let's talk about some winners and losers of this game uh, this week. The LA Rams, actually both LA teams, but let's start with the LA Rams. Um, so like I mentioned before, um, the Rams proved they can just they have like all the tools and assets um, to pretty much make a Super Bowl run. They like sure they they traded away a lot of their first round picks, but I think the biggest one they did was acquiring Matthew Stafford, and it's starting to pay off. 
like this connection between Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, and now they got Robert Woods, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Deshaun Jackson, and Tyler Higby, and you still got a talented defense that's led by Aaron Donald. The Rams proved Sunday that not only can they outscore just about anyone, they can pretty much in the crucial, most critical moments of the game, pretty much get to the quarterback and shut down the receiving game. That's what they did to Tom Brady in that Bucks offense. And yes, this is coming from a Niners fan, but I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit at the comp- that the competition looks better than than what we have to offer at the moment. And sure, we can smack talk all we want about how we sweat the Rams in previous years, but this is not the previous year. This is a new year. And this, until we see, we'll see what's to come in week 10 when the Niners face the Rams. This Rams team looks pretty damn good. I'll admit that. I'm willing to admit that. So, for the Rams, they got a big win here. Because when when it comes to having the top seed in the NFC, um, this is going to be a key, a key a tiebreaker for the Rams. Now, let's look at the other LA team, the Chargers. They headed into this early critical division matchup against the Chiefs, needing to bounce back from a bad loss at home to the Cowboys where they were just riddled with mistakes in that game. And they bounced back in a big way. Their defense kept Tyreek Hill quiet and they forced Mahomes into making two costly interceptions. One of the, one of which was led to the game-winning touchdown drive by Justin Herbert and the offense. And they also forced two fumbles on Clyde Edwards-Alaire that also led to, I think they also led to scores too. But either way, this Chargers team is for real. They prove they can they can beat the champs, uh, the AFC champs at, at least. They can they prove they also prove that if they continue to keep this momentum, they could even sweep them the season series against them. Once they get once they get to that December matchup, it could be a whole lot of interesting things that can happen um, when they get there. So Justin Herbert had an effective day, and. This team nut busted, especially Herbert when his team needed him the most. So big time performance from this Chargers team heading into what should be yet another critical division game against the Raiders at home on Monday night. Um, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, we're calling the Vikings winners this week. Um, this week's game against the Seahawks was an example of the Vikings doing something for once. Like they're actually trying and it paid off. Yeah. All it took was the, for the Vikings to try, for Kirk Cousins not to be checked down Charlie all the damn time, you know, actually push the ball downfield. And it led to the Vikings actually beating the Seahawks in a decisive manner. The secondary also being able to keep a supposedly good Seahawks offense in check, especially during the second half. Pretty good stuff. If they're able to do this against other quality offenses, especially in the Green Bay Packers. And it's a very low chance they could. But still, if they try, if they make good game plans out of it, they they could possibly have a chance at a wildcard berth. I'm not sure about the NFC North, but a possible berth in the wildcard? Maybe. Maybe. It's just a matter of the Vikings actually trying and taking chances um, if they want to succeed this season. The Buffalo Bills. They didn't have the hottest of starts. Uh, to the season, you know, they had that disappointing game against the Steelers, um, where Josh Allen and the whole offense was just like shut down by that Steelers defense. 
Um, but I guess they just needed that as a wake-up call because once they got to the Miami games and the Washington games and eventually this game with the Texans, they needed to find themselves, once again, find that contender form in themselves. Um, because ever since uh, that game against the Steelers, they've just been smashing through the opposition. I mean, yeah, it's been a f- inferior ones, but still, they needed that wake-up call. They really did. Because um, once they get to a much more quality competition like the, the Chiefs, the Titans, it'll serve as a reminder that we can't play like we did against the Steelers. Like, we got to play like we've been doing against um, the Dolphins, the, the the football team, and hopefully like against the Texans. Like, they got to realize that we got to play our brand of football. And that's why the Bills are the winners this week. And... I don't necessarily have them as winners, but I have them as honorable mention winners. And that's the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions. And I say honorable mentions because even though they lost this week, the Dolphins and Lions showed this week that just because they can be deemed a big-time underdog, it doesn't mean that they'll be taking the L, you know, lying down, will tank this week, and move on to the next. In the case of the Dolphins, they lost uh, their starting QB to a for three weeks, he's on IR, and the Dolphins were already written off by the media um, that they're gonna get blown out by the Raiders. But instead, even in defeat, um, this Dolphins team w- was really pushing the Raiders to their limit. They even picked off Derek Carr for a touchdown. Um, they they forced them into a couple of mistakes, and Jacoby Brissett pushed pushed the ball into the end zone to to tie this game in, into overtime. Now again, they didn't, they didn't win, but they're fighting. They are fighting for their um, um, for their season. So we'll see how they do against better opponents um, until Tua returns. But don't count them out just yet. So as for the Lions, um, yeah, they're zero three. But it looks like whatever Dan Campbell is doing in Detroit, it's clearly having a positive impact on this rebuilding team. Um, we saw the occasion of that against the Niners where they were literally weren't just giving up. They weren't just like, you know, pulling out their starters and whatnot in that blowout loss. Um, they continued to fight. And in the closest of the games, they, they're finding ways to try to get a win. And literally, they're not stopping until the game is over. They're, they're literally doing whatever they can uh, to get a victory. So the Lions may not go anywhere this year, but it looks like they may have found their their head coach. That's trying to establish a winning culture. And that coach is Dan Campbell. So I got to give the Lions some credit for that. Now some of the losers. Some of the losers this week. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about the Bengals and Steelers game. The Steelers have a big offensive problem. And I'm looking specifically at Big Ben Roethlisberger. I get it. Big Ben wanted to play another season. But damn. Does he look stubborn? For deciding to play one more season. Because his decision not to retire in the offseason. After last season's train wreck. Um, in the the games that they lost after starting 11-0. It's starting to make its presence felt. In just three weeks of play. With this latest performance against a mid Bengals team. That is a big indictment of that. He Sure, he has a decent offensive line. And he had time to throw in the Bengals game. But he held onto the ball way too long. Like, there was one position where he had all the time in the world to throw the ball, find an open receiver. But he took way too long. And guess where that led to? Sack City. 
He's, he went to Sac City like a good chunk of times. So this Ben problem is going to affect the Steelers for probably the rest of the season. It affected them on Sunday, and it's going to make its presence felt probably for the rest of the season. The Chicago Bears, they're also big losers because we can point all the fingers and say Justin Fields was ready. And sure, he had his issues processing the defense and ring coverages, but that was when he had time to do so. But this game, like this game, like he had, he only had very few opportunities to do that. All day long, he had sh- he had a shitty offensive line that gave him no time to do that whatsoever. He had no time to process the defense. He had no time to read what they were going to do. He had no time to find Allen Robinson or David Montgomery or Cole Komet. He had no time to do that in this game at all. Like the, the offensive line for the Bears was getting beat repeatedly. And they were getting pounded by one dude, Miles Garrett. Like, damn. Like, what was what was the Bears like front office thinking when they they were about to draft Justin Fields? Or even before that, when they when they signed Andy Dolan and they didn't think about building an offensive line. Like my God. Are 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 the are the Bears this stupid? So like we can blame Justin Fields all we want, but Matt Nagy set up this dude to fail, man. My God. And then we look at the New York Jets. Now, last week, like I said, Zach Wilson was to blame uh, for the Jets' loss to the Patriots with all that four-interception performance. Sure, he still has some issues. Um, he holds on for, to the ball for too long. Um, he, he threw a bad interception in the fourth quarter against Denver. But this loss was a total team effort, like I said. They were making silly mistakes on defense and on special teams. They like they had a chance to prevent a shutout um, on a field goal, um, but... There was a delay of game, and then they had to punt. And then the defense committed a couple of unforced penalties that they didn't need to make, like holding, personal foul, on roughing the passer. Like, they didn't need to do that. Like, they could have, like, made some game-changing plays, but instead they decided to be stupid. And all in all, this was yet another really bad performance all around by Gang Green. And I don't, I'm not sure what Robert Sala is doing down there. I'm really not sure. And then the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, talk about overreaction city when you see one. I honestly thought the Philadelphia Eagles would have been at least been able to compete a little bit in the NFC East against the Cowboys. And to I guess to a degree a little bit, um, Washington. But after we saw what we saw in their mistake-filled loss to the 49ers, and now this blowout loss to the Cowboys, I guess it's just a reminder that Jalen Hurts and crew still have a long way to go. If they want to compete with the boys and perhaps even Washington. So the Eagles still have a long way to go if they're going to compete in that division. If that even is a division. So then now let's look at some players of the week. Matthew Stafford of the Rams with a big, big performance against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Miles Garrett of the Browns. Nine sacks on Justin Fields. I think um, probably less than that, but still. Contributing to a nine-sack performance um, for the overall Browns defensive line on Justin Fields. And Justin Tucker, the kicker for the Ravens, um, for his record-breaking 66-yard field goal against the Lions to win that game. So now, week three is in the books. Pretty uneventful week, um, but still some uh, 
good takeaways um, to to notch from. So now let's talk about wheat poor. Um, it's kind of like the 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 prelude to the quarterway point of the NFL season, even though it's like an 18 week NFL season now with 17 games. But this is kind of like the point where just like uh, the last two weeks, the, these teams are still trying to find like who they are. Um, but some teams like the Rams, the Cardinals, um, the Bucks, they probably know where, like where they stand, how they are, um, on both sides of the ball. But for other teams like the Jaguars, the Jets, uh, the Niners or um, the Bengals or the Eagles, like they're still trying to find like their identity and they're still trying to like establish a rhythm. So these week four games are, are kind of like an opportunity to to you to to make sense of that to 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 accomplish that goal. So let's take a look at the very first game of this week for a slate of games. And we start with the great, the great Thursday night matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals in a matchup that is consisting of two former first overall picks in Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. The first, the two overall first overall picks from the last two drafts. And is anyone really excited for this matchup? Really? <laughs> Man, we had such a good streak with, Good primetime matchups on Sundays and Thursdays, and even Mondays. Now we're just back to blowout city, bitch. So, yeah, these are two pretty bad teams, like two essentially two rebuilding teams. So, I mean, at least it's not on Fox. It's not not on NFL Network and Fox and Prime Video. So, at least it's not on a national scale audience. But still, uh. I just don't really care that much. Uh, I mean, there's, there's more skill talent on the Bengals. I mean, they got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Um, but other than that, not much. So I'll go with the Bengals, I guess. So then we get to the Sunday slate of games. In the morning, um, I'm making some Tennessee Titans um, go to beat the New York Jets. I'm picking the Tennessee Titans over the Jets. So the Titans may not have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones for this game. Um, due to injuries from them respectively. Um, but still, that's not going to stop them from having a field day against this Jets team. But then never you never know what can happen. But still, they still got the rushing the rushing champion, Derrick Henry, um, on their side and expect them to have a field day on this non-existent Jets defense. And I, I imagine they can also get to Zach Wilson too. So then in Philadelphia, you got the Eagles hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, both teams are looking to bounce back from their two gut-wrenching losses. Um, the Chiefs, though, um, they, they have the biggest edge um, to get out of their funk. They're, they're still pretty talented. You know, they got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Edwards Allaire, um, Tyron Matthew. Um, sure, their secondary is sus, um, but the Eagles are, are like, they, they're just less talented um, to, and they're unable to overcome that much more talented Chiefs team. So I'm going with the Chiefs over the Eagles. So then in probably a big game um, for both teams on Sunday, the Panthers take on the Cowboys. Um, it's going to be a really tough test for Sam Darnold and this Panthers team. Probably the, um, This will probably be a deciding point on whether or not um, the Panthers are for real in the NFC South. Now, sure, um, 
you know, it's still Tom Brady's division in the NFC South, but still like Sam Darnold and the Panthers could be like kind of like a dark horse in, in this division. So they're going to be going toe to toe with Dak Prescott in this offense as well as their good defense. Um, But even then, I think the Panthers will keep things close, but Prescott should do enough to help the boys uh, pull away with a victory. So then, um, the New Orleans Saints return home. Yes, they're going back home to play in the Superdome to, to host the New York Giants. Now, as long as there's no Jameis Winston experience, um, no like 50-50 Jameis Winston, uh, the Saints should have no trouble beating around a Giants team that's struggling on all sides of the ball. So give me the Saints. So then, we got the Cleveland Browns taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Um, now, biggest question for the Vikings is can they repeat um, their performance against the Seahawks and transfer it over to the Cleveland Browns. Um, they're facing a probably a really good Browns team that has Garrett and Jadavion Clowney on that front four. And on offense, you got Baker Mayfield and that two-headed running attack, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And even though uh, that receiving core is missing Jarvis Landry, you still got Oda Beckham, who just returned um, in the game against the, uh, against the Bears. So... It's gonna be um, as as like I uh, I think it's gonna be closer than people think, but I'm gonna go with the Browns on this one. So then we got the Detroit Lions going to Chicago and, and that uh shit that shit hole that is Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears. I absolutely don't trust Matt Nagy at all with this Bears football team. So whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields starting, and I honestly don't trust Matt Nagy starting either one of them. Um, because he absolutely sucks at coaching them. Um, the Lions are going to do the taming in this one. They're going to tame the Bears in this one on their way to their first victory. And then down in Buffalo, the Bills stay home to take on the Texans. Um, the Texans are, exactly didn't have the best game with um, rookie quarterback Davis Mills against the Panthers. Um, but even then, that's good news for the Bills as they're going to be looking to completely dismantle whatever is left of the Texans. Uh, with Josh Allen and their offensive attack. So give me the Bills in this game against the Texans. And down in Miami, the Indianapolis Colts travel to take on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, these two teams are inching and desperate for a win right now. The Colts are 0-3, and they need to get a win if they want to have a chance to compete for the AFC South against the Titans. And I already like don't have an, an edge because the Titans already won one division game over the Colts, so they gotta pick it. Up. They gotta pick up that slack. Uh, the 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 Colts are having that Carson Wentz syndrome. In other words, they're they're like trying to find what Carson Wentz is gonna show up for them. Um, Miami, like there's there's they could still be fighting um, with um, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They could be that underdog that like that fighting underdog um, with Jacoby Brissett, or they can get the one that they got in week two. But still, either way, we got to pick a team here to win. And I just see, well, I don't know, maybe the Colts will pull it off. I'll, I'm going with the Colts on this one. So down, uh, we got the Washington football team taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the Washington defense has been really bad on these first three weeks of the season. Um, and that Chase Young-led front four eh, hasn't been doing uh, so hot. But I think this could be the week that they could get right against a mid-Falcons offensive line. Um, Matt Ryan could make things interesting. He's still playing at a very good level, um, despite the talent, uh, the lack of talent around him. Um, I don't think it'll be enough though to keep up with a potential bounce back performance from the Washington quarterback, Taylor Heineke. 
So I'm going with Washington to win this game. So in the afternoon, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to San Francisco to Levi Stadium to take on the 49ers. And I really don't want to do this. Is it bad to pick against my team? I really hate to do this, but I fear it's going to happen. And this is even against a team that struggled against a mid-team against the Vikings last week. And I, I'm sorry to say this, but I got to pick the Seahawks on this one. And that's because the 49ers secondary sucks. They, they, they're, gonna, they're, they're just so bad right now. And Jimmy G, like, is too on and off. That was the biggest indication was that game against the Packers last week. And Kyle Shanahan is just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of getting the sense that he's having trust issues with not just Jimmy G, but also Brandon Ayuk. He's also having trust issues, like, with putting, like, D Ford in there. I don't, I haven't, like, heard his name at all in that game against the Packers. Like, what is going on? What is going on with the 49ers right now? So, I'm just wondering, can they beat a Seahawks team? Especially on defense, that still has Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. I don't know. I I still believe they can, but ob- objectively, realistically, the Seahawks may pull this off. I'm sorry to say it. So down in LA, the Rams stay home in an, to take on the Arizona Cardinals in in another NFC West matchup. Yes, this this is the week that the NFC West matchups are running wild. Uh, it's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a shootout between these two NFC West rivals, Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford are gonna face off, and they're gonna just go lights out, balls to the walls on each other. Um, I think the Rams will hold on to win in what should be a slugfest between these two teams. I think Stafford just has more experience in these kind of games against uh, Kyler Murray and in general. So the Rams are gonna win this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going up to the fr- uh, the not so frozen tundra yet. Um, to take on the Green Bay Packers, the Patchers, Packers, whatever. <laughs> so the Packers return home, um, and they're and they're pretty much back to form, um, and they're going to be facing a offensively struggling Steelers team. And look for the Packers to continue to have the Steelers continue those struggles, um, because they're going to be looking to limit um, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster on the receiving end and whoever the running back is um Najee Harris um on the running on the running game so look for the Packers to get after Big Ben and limit that that offense so I'm going with the Green Bay Packers and in, in the last of the afternoon slate the Baltimore Ravens take on the Denver Broncos um this is, like I said it's gonna be a big test for the Broncos um in this game at home because they're gonna be facing some real competition now um, no more Jets, no more uh, Giants, no more Jaguars. They're going to be facing a real quarterback now in Lamar Jackson. Now, sure, um, th- like Teddy Bridgewater can make this things make this game interesting against a suspect uh, Ravens secondary, um, but I think in the end, um, the Ravens will hold on. I think they're just a little more talented offense on offense with when they have Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Hollywood, Marquise Brown. Um, and they also got the literally the best kicker in the game, Justin Tucker. So I think the Ravens will win what I think could be a close one. I don't think it'll be a complete blowout or like a runaway game for the Ravens. Um, I think the, this Denver team will push the Ravens to their limit, but the Ravens will, will hold on to win. So in probably one of the most anticipated, one of the most anticipated games of the season, Tom Brady 
returns home to Foxborough on a Sunday night to take on his team that he's been with uh, for the last 20 years before he decided to take his talents to Tampa, the New England Patriots. So, all the media, all his biggest fans, all his biggest haters will be there live in attendance to see him face his longtime and former head coach, Bill Belichick, and his new boy toy, Mac Jones, in prime time. Now, Brady will probably be given a welcome home reaction, a a happy, a, a praising uh, reaction from this Patriots fan base. But expect Brady to bounce back um, from his performance against the Rams, and he'll probably take out some of that, uh, that frustration and aggression um, from that loss and transfer it over to a win against a still suspect uh, defense on the Patriots and a still inexperienced Mac Jones. So I'm going with Tampa Bay to defeat um, Brady's old team, the Patriots, on Sunday night. Now in the Monday night closer um, for week four, the Las Vegas Raiders traveled to L.A. to take on the Chargers. Um, The Chargers have another important divisional game in the form of the Raiders. Uh, These two teams... um, are have pretty good records. They're they're both rolling. Um, they've been playing really good football and and strategic football too uh, to start the game. Um, it's gonna be real. It's gonna be a real grit and grind game. Like it's gonna be a battle of like who can like outwill and outsmart each uh each other. Um, I think Justin Herbert's uh, talented skills yet will help the Bolts escape uh, with the win at home and hand the Raiders their first loss. So I'm going with the Chargers on this one. But then again. Anything can happen in week four. Anything can happen in the NFL. So those are my picks for week four. So overall, what do you guys think about um, week three? What do you guys think about that week that was? And what do you guys think about week four, this upcoming week for the NFL? Let me know how you feel about about that in the comments, whether it's on YouTube or the social media posts or a direct message on Twitter or Instagram. And let me know how your team, your team did this week and how it'll do this coming week. Let me know all those things. But it'll be interesting to see how everyone does this week in this not so not so pitiful yet week four. But I say the pivotal weeks will be somewhere around midseason. But that is it for this week of on Very Cold Lasagna, episode number 49 of this freezing cold podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you, however you're um, paying attention to this freezing, freezing cold podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for giving your time of day to listen to me. Make sure to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Listen to the show and watch the show and subscribe. Turn on the notification bell of the U- on the YouTube channel so you can be notified of each and every episode that goes live on YouTube. And follow the show on social media and Twitter at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports, freezing cold and in the fridge. That's tasty as pasta. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, peace out and enjoy week four, everyone.